Welcome to the Highland Church Podcast, where we share biblical teaching to glorify God and to bless you. This year, we're talking about my part, God's plan. God has a purpose for you, and that purpose is a part of God's bigger plan for the world. Now, if you connect with what you hear today, I hope you'll join us online Sundays at 10 a.m., or that you'll join us on-site right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, let's jump into today's teaching, and don't forget, you're part of God's Thanks for being here today. We are in Genesis 4 today. So if you've got a Bible and you want to turn there, you can. It'll also be on the screens behind me or down below if you're watching with us online. And thanks for joining us if you're online. This is the story of Cain and Abel, the first brothers and God's big story and what happens between them. Brothers among whom jealousy rises up. There's murder in this story. This story pretty much has it all. And so we're going to dive into that story today. If you want to go there with me, you can. While you're turning there, let me just say, this story of these, of these first two brothers, Cain and Abel story, you know, as a father of sons, this is a story that haunts me. Um, if you've got daughters, you've probably never even read this story. But if, if you have sons, this story is the reason that every time we send our kids upstairs to play, we say, don't kill your brother. It's this, <laughs> it's the Cain and Abel story. The other day we were... Um, we were four days into COVID, Lindsay and I, we were still feeling pretty crummy. And so you know how it is to, to take care of kids when you don't feel good. And so Lindsay and I are sitting on the floor with our backs against the couch and Noble's sitting beside me, my oldest and my youngest Deacon is behind him and Deacon does something to mess with Noble. So Noble turns around and pinches him and, and Deacon says, Noble, pinch me. And I say, well, kick him. And so, <laughs> so Deacon stands up on the couch and just kicks Noble right in the nose. It was not good. And Lindsay says, that was good parenting. You know, uh, I'm sorry about that, buddy. Uh, you got to watch out for brothers. You got to watch out for brothers. And, and there is a, you know, there's a message in this, in this Cain and Abel story that I think, I do think we can all connect to. And that is the way that sin attacks the family first. I think about so many families that have just been turned inside out by sin. God says to Cain in this story that sin is is crouching at your door and its desire is to have you. And then the first family on earth unravels, is destroyed by sin. Uh, there's, there's also a, st- a sermon here about jealousy. Cain and Abel both offer their offerings to the Lord. The Lord chooses Abel and his offering over Cain and it's obvious this just guts Cain. He is so angry about this, he's jealous. And we all think that James has this story in mind when in the New Testament, James says this, he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, and so you kill. You covet what you can't get. Well, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, and so you quarrel and fight. I mean, that is a commentary on our world and all of its division and fighting, desire and jealousy. There's also a sermon here about God's grace. Cain commits murder, the first murder in scripture, and he deserves to be punished and he is punished. But, but to be clear, his punishment is a very light punishment. What he deserves for murder is death and he knows it. And what's fascinating about this story and deeply ironic is that the murderer is deathly afraid of death. He doesn't wanna be killed. So he deserves to be punished, but God places his mark of protection on Cain and sends him out 
never to be harmed by anybody else. Can you believe that? You know, who is this God that causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the unrighteous and the righteous? And this is a God like we sing of absolutely amazing grace. Now, those are all possible sermons we could preach. And if you don't like the one I end up preaching, just pretend I preached one of those, okay? Because what I want to do is kind of draw your attention to something I think that we miss in this story, but something that I think will actually connect with you a little bit more. Because let's be honest, most of us don't connect with murder. You know, we, we, we read a story that includes murder, and, and we kind of think, well, this story is not about me. Let, me. let me show you what happens before the murder and what happens after. And I think, I think you may find it connects with you a little bit more. Look at this. This is in verse 2. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast, it goes on to say. Before the murder, before the jealousy, you just have two good old boys. You got a rancher and a farmer. Now, where I'm from in Texas, it's real ignorant to mix those two up. So let me, let me just clarify. You got a rancher, Abel, that's somebody who deals in livestock, okay? Uh, I got a, a, a grandpa who's a rancher, so he's got cows and horses and goats and stuff like that. And if you're, if you're trying to picture what my grandpa looks like, picture Woodrow Call off of Lonesome Dove. So he, it's easier for my grandpa to talk to cows than it is to talk to people, okay? He's a great grandpa, terrible conversationalist, all right? I've got another grandpa who's a farmer. Now, what farmers raise is what? Plants, by and large, you know, maybe, maybe wheat or soybeans or rice. Now, my, my grandpa is actually a dairy farmer, which means he has to have cows to make his crop, which is milk. So that was really confusing to me because I remember I was eight years old and I come, it's 5 a.m., go to visit my grandpa and he wakes me up to shovel manure out of the barn. And I remember thinking, I thought you were a farmer, right? Like plants don't do this, remember that? Okay, so what you have in this story is a farmer and a rancher, one guy who deals in plants, one guy who deals in animals. And both guys bring what they have to offer, okay? And so is this story about, you know, God's preference for meat over veggies? Well, no. But that's worth, that's worth drawing your attention to because in the ancient world, that's why you sacrificed to the gods, because they were hungry. Okay, so, so what you sacrificed to the gods fed them. So the gods made us to give them what they need, okay? And God says in Psalm 50, he says this, um, if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that's in it. In other words, I don't need it, okay? So this is not about God's preference for meat over veggies. What I think this is about is really a window into Cain and Abel and what God desires in us, not the offerings themselves. Let me. Let me draw your attention back to those same verses one more time. Let me, let me point out something real quick. Let's look at it one more time. Now, Abel kept flocks, rancher, and Cain worked the soil, farmer. 
And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Let me read that again. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. Um, The key word there is that word some. So Cain offers some of the fruits of the soil, some of his plants. Abel offers the fat portions, which are the best pieces, of the firstborn of his flock, the most prized portion of his herd or his livestock. Okay, so in other words, what he's saying is Cain offers some of what he has laying around and Abel offers the best of what he's got to the Lord. Cain offers some what's over there. Abel offers the best. Okay, now look at the next verse. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and on his offering, but on Cain and on his offering, he did not look with favor. What's God looking at? When you and I read this story, when you and I think about our own lives, we look at the offering and what you're you're putting in the plate, what you're bringing, okay? What's God looking at first? Abel. He's looking at Cain first and then their offering. And this is kind of this classic example of what we read in 1 Samuel that the Lord looks at the heart. What's God doing in this story? God is like, you know, looking into these men's souls. He's gauging their desires, what matters most to them. And when he looks into Abel and Cain's souls and chooses Abel over Cain, the reason is that he's looking at these two guys and one of them is very clearly all in with the Lord. And the other, Cain, eh, he's half in at best. We say it like this, the second temptation after Adam and Eve, the second temptation is not jealousy, it's not murder, it's apathy. Apathy about God, that's it. Uh, somebody sent me a, a video recently and uh, it's, it's an interview with Keanu Reeves, who's a famous actor, maybe most famous for The Matrix. How many of you saw The Matrix 20 years ago when it came out? Okay. One of my favorite series ever of movies when they came out when I was young, I watched those dozens of times. They recently made another Matrix. It might be the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. I have no idea what it's about. If you can inform me later, that'd be great. So Keanu Reeves is doing this kind of press tour for the new Matrix movie. And he tells a story that happened a couple of years ago that he goes to some producer's house. Now the first Matrix movies came out over 20 years ago, okay? So he goes to some producer's house and this producer has a couple teenage children. And so the producer's like, this is Keanu Reeves, he was in the Matrix. And they're like, what's that? Okay. And so he starts to explain the Matrix to these teenage kids, one of them's a girl. And he says, he says well, there's this guy, he's talking about the Matrix, who lives in this kind of virtual world and, and he finds out there's a real world. And so he's really questioning what's real and not real and, and he really wants to know what's real. And the young girl says, why? And he says, what do you mean? She says, who cares if it's real? And he says, what? You don't care if it's real? And she says, no. And the interviewer interviewing Keanu says, isn't that wild? And Keanu says, it's awesome. For the record, it's not awesome. 
but it's so common for us to not care about the greatest reality. What is it about us that is as old as Cain and Abel that causes us to care less about what matters most and to care most about what matters least? Think about that. Think about that. Before the murder, before the jealousy, you just have these two guys bringing their offering to God and one is all in with the Lord. I mean, this is what he cares about most. He brings his absolute best to give to the Lord. And the other, eh, here's what I got laying around. We'll see what happens. So this is the part of the Cain and Abel story that we kind of skip over, isn't it? We, we, we go straight to the murder and the rivalry between the brothers, but, but you gotta recognize that before the jealousy, before the murder, there is apathy about God. And that hits closer to home. And then let me show you what happens. Because after this, Cain is sent off, he's punished, but he goes on, he has a family, and we have the first genealogy in the Bible. So the first record of someone's descendants that come after. And what I wanna show you is that that apathy gets passed on. Now, Cain isn't an apathetic man. He cares about some things intensely. But about God, he still doesn't care that much. And watch what happens. Look at this, verse 17 of chapter four. Cain was then building a city and he named it after his son Enoch. And to Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mahujael, and Mahujael was the father of Methushael, and Methushael was the father of Lamech. And Lamech married two women. One was named Adah and the other Zillah. And they gave birth to Jabal. He was the father, look at this, of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jabal, and he was the father of all who play stringed instruments and pipes. And Zillah also had a son, Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain's sister was Namah, and Lamach said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. Look at this. Cain is not an apathetic man. Um, a couple years ago, I spent three days with a buddy from here building a tree house for my boys. Cain builds a city for his son. I and mean, Cain is the start of modernization, civilization. Cain is a big deal. Part of the reason we live in cities today is Cain. Think about that. And then Cain passes on this intense work ethic to his descendants. You know, he's got descendants who are forerunners and developers in agriculture and architecture and livestock, all those things. We got culture and art, stringed instruments and pipes. We've got technology, the first what iron and bronze tools ever made or made by Cain's descendants. These are apathetic lowlifes. These are people who accomplish big things. We know their names. Right? They have legacies. They go on to pursue these huge things. They see their dads accomplishing these big things, leaving a legacy, and they want to do the same thing. These guys are driven guys. They are not apathetic about everything. But where does all that striving get them? Pursuing all the things that the world says is great. It gets them in four to five generations to this guy named Lamech, who is so divorced from what is most real. He's so uninterested in what God cares about that he has two wives, a violation of Genesis 2. And he brags to his two wives about murdering people who hurt him. He thinks that's good. He thinks that's impressive. 
He's got no bearing anymore on what's most real in the world. Think about that. I was listening to a, a podcast the other day. It's of an author that I like. Somebody sent this to me. And um, he's always thinking in terms of the story that I'm, that I'm part of. And he says he's got this ritual that every day he gets up and he reads the same thing. And it's, it's a reminder of the story he's part of and his part to play in that story. Now, he's a Christian, so there's a Christian dynamic of this. But every morning he does that. And he says, the reason I do it is if I don't do that every day, pretty quickly, I lose the plot in my life. And then he said, a lot of people lose the plot. I think that's Cain. You got this one guy who's pretty apathetic about what matters most, God. Right? And then every one of his descendants is too. Until it gets to this point in just a couple generations that you have a guy bragging about murder to his two wives. Right? Think about that. Uh, let me talk to parents here for a second. You know, I ask that question, what is it about us that causes us to care most about what matters least and least about what matters most? Let me talk to the parents here. Because this story, we come to the story and we think it's a story about brothers. And I kind of suckered you in there with the story about our boys. But it's a story about being a dad or a mom. Is it the first genealogy in scriptures in the Cain and Abel story? Did you know that? I mean, this is a story about what it means to leave a legacy that matters. That's what it's about. And what I know is that your kids and your grandkids, whether they're adult or young, are paying attention to you. They're paying attention. Uh, last night, Lindsay at the dinner table lays this big smooch on me. It was great. And um, Foster's like, ew, that's gross. And so mom and dad are talking about how much we love each other and that one day he's going to marry a woman that he loves as much as daddy loves mama. And he says, nope, I'm going to marry an old lady named Mama. She did have a birthday this week. She's not that, not that old. They're paying attention to us, aren't they? Let me ask you parents, if the people who know you best, your kids and your family, if we ask them, what matters most to your mom and your dad, what would they say? What matters most? What do they take most seriously in their life? What would they say? I had a dad who came to me a couple weeks ago after service, and he said, um, Eric, it's time for you to put me to work. <laughs> he said, I'm not doing anything for the Lord. I want you to put me to work. You want to know why? I think he's feeling a calling. I think he's feeling a, you know, an impulse that the Lord's put on his heart. But a part of the reason, he's got these three kids who are watching their dad. And he wants his kids to see what matters most to him. Uh, I think about a, a mom. I know I got an email from her a couple weeks ago. She was, she's reading the Bible through in a year, and uh, she's, she's in Leviticus, and it's killing her, right? It's just, I'm sorry. It's killing her. And she said, hey, do you got any book recommendations on what you know, life was like for the ancient Israelite man or woman? I'm just trying to make sense of all this, and I just want to know more. I love an email like that about a woman who's going deeper into God's Word. Right? I think of another mom who's, who's reading the Bible through in a year or two, kind of common theme there. She was gonna do it on her phone, but what she knew was that her kids were gonna come down every morning and see their mom on her phone, and they're not gonna be able to distinguish whether she's reading her Bible or looking at Facebook. So she bought a new Bible so her kids would see it. This is what matters most to mom. There's a sweet saint of this church, Julie Chester. Um, this church for 50 plus years, she passed away not long ago. 
And one of the things I learned when we got together together with the family to prepare for the memorial was that she did not want a smartphone at all. She didn't want that. And then she found out that she could talk to her grandkids and her kids any time of day on that smartphone, and she could send group messages. And so she got a smartphone so that she could message her kids and grandkids every day. You know what she sent them every day? Scripture. Scripture. If you ask any one of them, what mattered most to Miss Julie, what do you think they'd say? The Lord. The Lord. She was apathetic about a lot of other things, but about what mattered most, she cared a lot about that. Let me show you how this story ends here. Because God has made big promises to Adam and Eve about their descendants, that through those descendants, the whole world will be blessed, the serpent will be crushed. And so when Abel's killed, we wonder if that's gonna be possible anymore. But look at this, this is verse 25. We have, we have Cain's family, his line, and then we have Adam and Eve. We go back to them. This is what we read in verse 25. Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son, and she named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in the place of Abel since Cain killed him. And Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. You know what Enosh means? It means weakness. Weakness. Maybe why you don't run into a lot of Enoshes these days. Enosh doesn't build a city. You know, he's not the, the purveyor, the developer of art and culture. Um, he's not the, the first to build tools out of iron and bronze. He doesn't do any of that stuff. You know what he's remembered for? He was the guy who started calling on the name of the Lord. He was the guy for whom what mattered most in the world mattered most to him. And if you look in Luke chapter three in the New Testament, you know who's one of Jesus's great granddaddies? Enosh, weakness, weakness. You know, what you have here at the end of the Cain and Abel story are two kinds of people in this world. You got those from Cain's line who care most about what matters least and pursue it with all of their hearts and leave a legacy of that in their families. And you got those who actually care about what matters most. And God works through them and blesses the world through them. Which of those two are you? Which of the two? Let me say a prayer of blessing over you this morning. God, your people are gathered here in this place. They're watching online from homes, families. God, I think each of them are here because they have a burden on their heart that they will be known as someone who calls on your name above all else. God, would you convict us by the power of your Holy Spirit in the areas where we are misdirected, where our attention is where it shouldn't be, would you redirect us graciously and kindly Would you draw us back to you that you might be glorified in every way in our lives? God, I pray for the children, the young people, the teenagers in this church who are looking um, to us, who are parents and grandparents. God, would you make us good examples to them? 
Would you make us this, this witness that surrounds them in praising you and lifting you most high? You know, they're they're going to go from here and people are going to ask them, what are you going to major in, in in college? What's going to be the most important thing in your life, God? And I pray that for every one of them, no matter what they study in school, the most important thing is you. And that their lives would reflect that, God. God, we want to be descendants of Enosh, God. Descendants of blessing who glorify you above all else. Would you make us so? And God, I give you great thanks and great praise for the many people here for whom you are the most important thing. God, I thank you for this church that is a witness in this community about what matters most. May we continue to be that for your sake and for your glory. And I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.